Hello and welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast. Coming to you from the Tabernacle of Praise Church International, headquartered in York, South Carolina, where our founder and overseer is Bishop Alfred Jackson. Copies of the message from this broadcast can be purchased at our headquarters in Monrovia at the Hope of Praise Church in Numatadia States, where Jackson G. Weah is pastor. We would love to hear from you, so write to us here in America at 229 Wood Street, York, South Carolina, 29745, or email us at tabernacleofpraise at msn.com. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful day. Yeah, yeah, because God is with you. He's not sitting on the side of the bed. He's in you. He's with you. Amen? Amen. You can't get the full picture, as I was saying earlier, and you can't get the full picture of all of this until you read the end of the story. There are glimpses here in the beginning uh, of the story with Herod and the killing of the innocent babies. And, and you know, this was read earlier and I didn't read all of this. Uh, but when you go back and you read the story of the birth of Christ, you see glimpses of, of, of what's going to take place. Amen? Yet that just speaks what, what we see with Herod uh, uh, personifying evil and and. and, and after not, the wise men not coming back to him and telling him where the Christ child was, killing all of the babies that were two years old and younger. Amen. Yeah. It just speaks to the warfare and hatred toward God. Amen. And the battles that have been going on since the Garden of Eden. Satan hates God. And it's no, it's no, it's no, it's no, it's, it's not strange that, that Satan hates us. It's not strange that that's warfare against true Christianity. Amen. Now, now nominal Christianity, that's, you know, it's okay. You know, if you just go to church, you know, you're okay. You know, the devil's not going to bother you too much. But, but if you're a spirit-filled Christian and you love the Lord and you take a stand for righteousness, the devil is going to come at you. The devil is going to attack you. People will hate you. People will say that you're mean. People will say that you're intolerant. People will say that you're hateful. People will say that you're out of line. Amen. The devil will attack your body. The devil will attack your finances. The devil will attack everything about you if you stand for God. But it's not anything strange because the Bible speaks of all of this. Speaks of all of this. Yeah, yeah. And it's been going on since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, when, you, when, when Moses was born, you see what took place. Yeah, when Pharaoh killed all of those babies. Yeah, yeah, you see what took place. And, and it, it's in, in, in Revelation that we see the end of the story. What happens when Satan and those who follow him and worship him, uh, 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 what happens to them? And it is in Revelations also that we really see Jesus victorious and reigning as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You got to read Revelation. I keep telling you, and I'm going to keep on saying, I don't care if it incites fear in you, you need to read it. And you need to read it with understanding. Amen. Yet in this, in this first advent, in this first advent of Christ, advent means coming, the first coming of Christ, there, there is a message worth receiving. As I said earlier, there are many messages. When you, when you look at these scriptures, there are so many messages that, that come to mind. 
Um, but God has given us just one today from this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to share this, and I'm going I'm to be finished in just a few minutes, so you better catch it while I'm going. Yeah, yeah. When we look at this, one of the things that we see in, in the second chapter of, of Matthew is the vision, visit of the magi, the, the wise men. And, you know, some people have relegated these men to just astrologers, but when you really do the reading, you do the research, and you, you go back and study, they were actually wise men. They were not just watchers of stars. Um, you know, and, and I was reading, and it, it talked about they were actually... Um, Midian priest, a Median priest from the Mede Empire. And you read about Medo-Persia. Medo yeah, and you, that's why you need to read the prophets because then when you get to Revelations and you see what some of the things that happens in Revelations, it ties it back to the Medo-Persian Empire and Babylonia. But here, these were actually priests uh, of the Median Empire. And, 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 and one of the reasons this is significant is that when the Israelites were taken into captivity, one of the empires that they were subject to was the Medo-Persian Empire. So Judaism was there, and it was, when you read about Esther and Artaxerxes, and you read about King Darius and, Syria and, 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 and Cyrus, kings of the Medo-Persian Empire, and you see the Jewish people living in this empire and planning the word of God. I mean, and, and you see, was it Cyrus, King Cyrus that gave the edict for the Jews to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Amen. So when you get to the book of Matthew and you read about these wise men, they were not just astrologers. They were actually priests, they, 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 and, and, and they, they, they knew about God. I don't know, they, they, they were priests in the Midian Empire. They, maybe they were God worshipers, yeah. all right? And so they knew about the prophecy of the Messiah. And, 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 and so they knew about times and seasons, and they, were, and, 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 and they were watching. They were paying attention. You know, people today don't pay attention to times and seasons. We live for the moment. We live for right now, and we don't pay attention to times and seasons. We got to start paying attention to times and seasons. And the only way you're going to know about the times and seasons of God is you got to get in the book. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get in the book. So they came. They came and, 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 and they came looking, they came seeking for the Savior. As I looked at this, and I preached a message on this a long time ago, wise people still seek the Savior. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, wise people seek the Savior. We seek a whole lot of things in life. We seek a whole lot. We're seeking our education. We're seeking careers. We're seeking boyfriends. We're seeking girlfriends. We're seeking husbands. We're seeking wives. We're seeking money. We're seeking fame. We're seeking fortune. Because we're thinking about this life. But we need to be seeking the Savior. We need to be seeking the Savior. We need to be, if you seek him, what will you find? Well, in this particular passage of Scripture, there are four things that, that when you really get a heart for God and you begin to study the Scriptures, God is not hard to find. 
God will reveal himself to you. So even in this particular scripture, this is some of the things that you'll find out when you begin to seek. Because seeking is not just reading these few verses. Seeking is when you begin to study, when you begin to get the commentaries, when you begin to get to read, when you begin to dig. Because you want to find out more about your Savior. You want to find out more about this one that they call Jesus, the Christ of God. You don't want just what you get in church. What you get in church should spur you on to dig more, to seek for more. So many people come to church and that's all they get. Because they're not, they're not, they don't have an inspiration inside of them to dig for more. How many of you who are working would like a promotion on your job? So what do you do in order to get promotion? What do you do? I don't hear you. You work hard. You find out what it takes to, you find out what it takes to get a promotion. If you want to cook a cake and you don't know how to cook a cake, what are you going to do? You're going to do what? You're going to find a recipe. You're going to go somewhere and find a recipe. My son asked me the other day, he said, Dad, I want you to show me how to make pancakes from scratch. I said, go to the internet and get a recipe. What you want to know, you search for it. You dig for it. Amen, if you really want it. But what happens with a lot of Christians is, we don't dig to find out more about our Savior. Everything is just face value, whatever the pastor says, you know, because we're really not interested. You know, we really want to hurry up and finish preaching so we can go home and eat breakfast this morning. I might preach a little while longer since I said that. <laughs> I'm in him. Hallelujah. Paul preached to that man, went to sleep and fell out of the window. It's just, it's just 8, 9.30 in the morning, so I got a long time to preach, and we got to raise a platform so y'all can sit up there and fall out of the window because you're going to go to sleep on me today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So, so when you begin to dig, some of the things you see here is that the place of Jesus' birth. Amen. Amen. The place of his birth is Bethlehem, the house of bread. So the bread of life has come through the house of bread. Amen. Jesus is the bread of life. Doesn't the Bible call him the bread of life? And he's come through the house of bread. You begin to find out about his birth, the place of his birth. You, you begin to see that he, he went to Egypt. Amen. And why he went to Egypt? All of it's prophesied. So what happens is you begin to see prophecy come to fulfillment. You want, you want to know that what God has said is the truth. So prophecy begins to come to fulfillment. You see the slaughter of the innocent children. And you see him just dwelling at Nazareth. Amen. Amen. You see all of this because this is prophesied. Amen. And what the, what the Christ story is letting us know is that what God has said through his prophets is the truth. And that proves God is true. So if you want to serve the true and the living God, you begin to search to find out if what he said was the truth. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? 
Amen. Amen. So out of all of the things that we seek in life, that we diligently seek, some of you all are, are, are engaged in some serious pursuits right now. Are you seeking the Savior? Is his birth significant enough for you, to you, to seek him, to really know him, not know about him, but to really know him, to have an intimate, personal relationship with him. Whew. Yeah, yeah. Seeking the Savior in this life will lead to eternal life. Amen? Yeah. He came, amen, that we might have life, yeah, more abundantly, but also eternal life. Yeah, yeah. The wise men, and when they found him, Listen to this. When they found him, they said, where is he? Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and we have come to do what? We come to do what? We come to do what? So when they got down to verse, verse 9, said, after they heard the king, king said, come back and tell me because I want to worship him because he was lying. And they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stomped over the place where the child was. I'm not going to talk about the star, but I want to talk about what the wise men did. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and did what? Worshipped him. They worshipped him. Worship of the Savior is the only proper thing to do when you encounter him. When you really have an encounter... With the Lord Jesus Christ, the only proper thing to do is to worship him. Yeah. I mean, his, his presence inspires worship. Being in his presence stirs worship. I mean, you're in such awe that the only thing you can do is worship him. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, is, he is the only one, the only one who's worthy of our worship. For he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And there is no other name given among men whereby we can be saved. Jesus Christ, the only one God has given, the one God has revealed himself through. Again, he's, he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. He's, a, he's God come in the flesh. Yeah, yeah. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. He gives us victory. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they made their way to him, and they worshiped him. Yeah. You know what? You don't worship the Lord just because you come to church. Coming to sitting in church is not worshiping the Lord. A lot of people come to church and they don't worship. A lot of people come and they don't worship. Worship is an attitude of the heart, first of all. Yeah, yeah. It's an attitude of the heart. You know, I felt so special when I walked in this morning and, and Gabe saw me. He said, Bishop, and he came running to me. He gave me my hug and his little sister followed and gave me my hug. You know, and it is, it's, when I think about that, I didn't think that he was worshiping me, 
but I think about how we should approach the Savior. I mean, you know, people, people come out of obligation. A lot of people really don't want to, especially, especially some children, you know, they'll stay at home. And some adults will stay at home and they thought I wasn't looking for them. But there's, there's not this excitement about being in worship and, 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 and really worshiping the Savior. Are you hearing me? Not worshiping the pastor, but worshiping the Savior. That means that when you sing, you're singing to him. You're not singing to the people. You're not singing so people can see you. You're singing to him. When you're praying, you're praying to him. When you're lifting up holy hands, you're worshiping him. Just because you come and sing a song doesn't mean that you worship. You could just be singing the words of the song. So many people come to church and don't worship. And the reason you don't worship in church is it don't worship in your life. Worship is an everyday thing. Now you worship the Lord every day. Yeah, yeah, you can get up. You heard me just, just talk about waking up over in the night and in your spirit you're singing songs of praise. You know, your, your spirit man is worshiping the Lord because you worship him every day of your life and it becomes a part of your lifestyle. So you don't have to have the gathered congregation, but wherever you are, you can be in the shower, you can be worshiping the Lord. You know, you know, there have been times I've been riding down the highway and, if, you know, I, I, I just want to pull over on the side of the road and just dance before the Lord. Amen. And sometimes I find myself speeding. I say, oh, let me back up. You know, I've gotten excited. Think, let me take my foot off the gas because I've gotten excited here thinking about the Lord and, and just giving him glory. Amen. And I don't have to have anybody by me. Amen. Because my worship is not for you. My worship is not for you to see, but my worship is to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And wise people worship the Lord. This, this should be an experience of worship, saints. Shouldn't be just us coming together to sing some songs and be bored. You know what I've discovered? When, I, when I've gone places and the message may not have really just stirred my heart, you know, and, the, and, and the, the songs may have been dull and boring because I went to worship. I could block all of that out and focus on the Lord. I wanted to be a part of the gathered congregation so I could worship, and the worship just wasn't so, you know, because some, some places are just, you know, some places are kind of dead, just to say to tell the truth about it. But, you know, Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 we're here to worship. We're here to worship. You see people, and, you know, I understand, I understand different situations and circumstances. I know, I know everybody's not going to be able to stand up, you know, for long periods of time and what have you, but sometimes you see people just come and just say, ain't nothing wrong with them. Like, 
I sure wish this would hurry up and be over. And my question is, then you're not here to worship. Why are you here? You're not here to worship. You know, as a gathered congregation, when we were singing King of Kings, you know what? I envisioned myself before the king. Yeah, when I lifted up my hands, I envisioned myself before the king. You know, I envisioned myself bowing down before the king. I envisioned myself waving before the king. You know, I, I try to block other folk out. A lot of times I'll close my eyes and I'll focus in on the words of the song because I'm here to worship the king. When we began to sing, how great is our God? You know, my mind went to the greatness and the vastness of God. Because that's what worship is about. So I don't have a problem with dancing before the Lord. I don't have a problem with laying prostrate before the Lord. I don't have a problem with lifting up my hands before the Lord. Because that's a part of my praise and my worship. People say, well, you know, that's not the way I was raised. Well, you know what you need to do? You need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. And you need to be raised again in the Word. Bible says, oh, clap your hands, oh, you people. What's a hand clap? Somebody show me a hand clap. That's what the Bible says due to the Lord. The Bible says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Let me tell you something. I'm not talking about anybody's worship. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. Ain't no way you can go and sit down for an hour in the church and you never clap your hands. You never shout unto God and you tell me that's biblical worship. Oh, then the Bible says dance. Lord have mercy. Some folk don't need music. Just go ahead and dance before the Lord. Oh, glory to the name of Jesus. That's what the holiness people do. That's what the Bible people do. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords, the one who's worthy of our worship, the one who's worthy of our praise, the one who's worthy of our adoration. I will give him glory. I live to give him glory. My heart's desire is to give him glory. Yeah, yes, Woo. oh my goodness, my goodness, does anybody know what I'm talking about, hallelujah, 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 yes, yes, yeah, yeah, and listen, when those men got there, in their worship, and this is what worship will inspire you to do, they presented him gifts. They presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and mine. I, I, I won't talk about the meaning of it because it has meaning, but I just want to talk about they presented him gifts. 
You know what the wonderful thing is? I want y'all to hear this real good. The wonderful thing about us, all right, is that the Bible says that Christ ascended on high and gave gifts unto men. God has given every one of us gifts. And all he wants us to do is come back and present the gifts to him. We're sitting up in the church, we're in the church, we're in the body, and we have gifts, and we're sitting down on them. And we're getting mad at people, and we'll cross our legs, and we'll fold our hands, and we'll sit down on our gifts. And there are needs in the body, and people need to be ministered to while we, with our stinking selves, are sitting down on our gifts. And all God wants us to do is present back to him what he's presented to us. The manifestation of the spirit is given to how many people? For the benefit of all of us. And all God wants us to do is present the gifts back to him. These wise men had to go and get frankincense and gold and myrrh. You don't have to go and get a gift. If you're saved, there's a gift that lives inside of you. Maybe two or three gifts. And all God is saying is present it back to me. Because you see, when you present your gifts, you're not presenting your gifts to the pastor. You're presenting your gift to God. Get mad at me, but present your gift to God. Let God be true and every man a liar. How many folks sit down in church and won't do anything? Sitting down on your gifts that God gave to you. You don't have to go look for it. You don't have to go buy it. All you have to do is receive Jesus and receive the gifts. And God says, out of your worship, you'll present your gifts to me. And the last thing, and this, 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 is, this, is, this is the indication also that you've encountered the Savior. I know the context, and I'm going to read the verse to you. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The last thing this text speaks of is that the difference, your encounter with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords, will make in your life. When they left, they returned to their country by another route, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod. Who does Herod represent? Herod represents wickedness. Herod represents sin and evil. Herod represents Satan. But when you encounter Jesus, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Amen. The Holy Spirit will warn you of the dangers of wickedness, the dangers of evil, the dangers of Satan. And the Holy Spirit will stir your heart not to return the way you came. When you really encounter Jesus, you don't go back the way you came. There's a change that is taking place in your life. 
when you really encounter, so this, this, this is more than just coming to church. You get dressed up on Sunday morning and, you know, you put, put on your perfume and your cologne and put on your deodorant after you take a bath and put on your nice clothes. You come to the house, you, you come to the house of the Lord to worship. Or maybe you encounter him before you get to the house of the Lord. But he changes the direction of your life. Does anybody know what, has he ever, has he changed your direction? You may not be where you ought to be, but I guarantee you, if you've met the Lord, you're not what you used to be. Amen. There's a difference in the way you think. There's a difference in the way you act. There's a difference in the way you treat people because you have encountered the resurrected Lord, the Savior. He changes your life. He changes your life changes your life. It changes your life. And the proper response to this good news is that we seek the Savior. We seek him out. We dig. We say, ah, you know, I know the, the scripture says the Lord, you know, if you seek me, you will find me. And I know that you know, we say the Lord is not hidden. No, he's not, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about digging to know more about him. You worship him. You worship him. You present your gifts to him. And you return a changed person. There's no way for the Holy Ghost to live in you and you're not a changed person. Hallelujah. Let's stand.